The Product Podcast is back with a brand new season. This time we are featuring eight of the brightest minds in the industry. Our latest episodes will highlight insights, methods and strategies that are being used at the top tech companies around the world. If you are eager to start your product career, head to our website to learn more about product management certificates. This is Jay. And this is Eva. And we hope you enjoy all the latest insights brought to you by Product School. This week, we're talking to Frederick Lindbergh, an enterprise product lead at Spotify, where he has been working for the last eight years. Based in Stockholm, Frederick has worked on a variety of projects, such as subscription revenue and financial systems. Frederick, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you guys for having me. So we're just going to hop in here and get started. Um, so where did you get your inspiration to work, uh, work in product? Did you have family who was in tech or was there a mentor who kind of pushed you into it? So if I go back to sort of where I started in tech, it was it's sort of funny. Yeah, I, in, in Sweden, we got broadband quite early. Uh, so the government invested heavily back in like mid 1990s so my high school had really really great broadband and and i started just like doing web pages and uh, um yeah i just playing around basically with computers and understanding like mp3s and all of that so i pursued them i I wanted to dive in deeper so i started doing computer engineering and this was basically done back in 1999 uh, so I took a bachelor's in, in computer engineering. Um, when I started, the sort of head principal of the program came with the newspaper and he basically just pointed at, a, at the job and said that when you guys are done, you can just point at any job and you will have it. Wow. And in 2001, uh, I graduated right at the top of the dot-com crash. Oh, wow. Okay. And there were no jobs at no. all. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I tried to just like to do my thesis at the company. They were basically laughing at like they were laying off hundreds of people here oh in Sweden. So I, I took up I, I, marketing after a while. I, I did some traveling and and, and I, I think I've, I, I found my niche in there sort of the I, I really like tech, but I more like what you can do with tech and sort of the the impact that tech can have. So I, and I, I realized after a while that I will never become like the greatest programmer because I just don't have the interest. I'm, I'm more keen on sort of what can you actually produce with tech. So I all, all, always had that interest. Like I didn't know really what product management was. So that was sort of more just by accident that I ended up at Spotify as a consultant. And then sort of in this track, I, I came then from management consulting, so I think like I found my niche in sort of enterprise processes. I really like uh, sort of the machinery around the processes and making things work really automated uh, and tech and then understanding the business. So uh, I found like uh, a niche where I really felt that I really felt at home because I, I get to understand a lot of the how processes work and a lot of how the the business is being run, uh, and then I can just jump around between different uh, revenue streams and uh, yeah, 
try to understand them. So uh, I thought I think it's just like by chance. It wasn't a, it wasn't family or anything like that, but more that it started with the general computer or interesting in computers and then just came from there. So sure. And I mean, before you got into product, uh, I saw that you were a project manager. What was the transition like going from project manager to product manager? Was there any nuances there that kind of stand out? Yeah, for sure. Uh, and, and I would say like that there is definitely a, a, a piece of project management still. I would say maybe that the biggest maybe difference is uh, the focus on outcome uh, versus output. Which I think is is really key then on and and that whole mind shift uh, of of just like why are we doing this? Is this really the the right thing to do? And uh, and sort of do the homework around that. And and I think that's where also sort of my background in management consulting also come in a little bit because it fits really well then in understanding what is the outcome that we want to achieve and is it really like is it feasible and should we really invest in this but then i would say when when we have decided that yes this is the outcome that we're that we're gonna try to perceive then i think like the project management skills is really useful then on sort of just okay now we just need to get the work done sure. uh, yeah yes. so I, I think that's one of the nuances but then of course you have the the whole time management piece but i would say that as spotify has grown as well it becomes more important also to just have project management inside of all the product work because there's so many moving pieces and especially then working with enterprise products there's so many people uh, involved potentially in the the launch of a new process or a new system that supports the process so that there, there just needs to be some time management to allow people like to be trained or to uh, to go through uh, testing which then we're reliant on uh, uh, other other departments uh, in the company and also just for like auditing purposes so, so there's definitely a component there that in my niche will that will remain sure yeah speaking of working with enterprise products i mean spotify is obviously a global powerhouse of a brand um what do you think are some of the main challenges for a product manager who's working in like such a big enterprise compared with being a product manager and maybe a smaller startup um yeah i mean it is interesting because like i did the journey when when i started then spotify was around 200 people mm. so i would say it wasn't it wasn't you know like a basement startup by any means it was it was a fairly big company when i started but uh i would say that there there needs to be like um uh, when i started it was more sort of that we just needed to make things work mm. like it was more that uh, it really just good enough and and that was a challenge for me as well then coming in sort of, of finding that level when is it just good enough and and especially working like with with financial numbers and wanting having sort of a, a target of wanting the numbers to be correct and wanting like to have really smooth processes uh, if I compare that to now I mean the target is still the same but we have a lot more resources 
but it's also a lot more complicated. Like the everything we do is is more complicated. There is definitely more change management needed, in the sense also then that when I started, it, when we had an idea, we basically needed to get a few people into a room and and explain this is what we want to do. Now it's such uh, like it's such a bigger process in that if we want to do something major, then we need to just sell the idea to many more people and get them on board. And then, yeah, you, you, you just need to understand also what people are listening to. Some people are more inclined in fact, some people are more inclined on sort of the, the emotional aspect of it. And then you have just like the legal requirements. So it's, it's more definitely just more aspects of it. It's a bit, um, I would say like it's, it's a bit slower to get off the ground. Mm. But then when we're, when we're executing, then we have much more just manpower and firepower sort of yeah. to, to execute as well. Yeah, I guess all different levels have their challenges. Like there are some things that are easier about being in a startup and there are things that are easier about being in an enterprise. And it's like, I think yeah. it's quite interesting to consider the different dynamics at play there. Um, so I yeah. wanted to wind it back a little bit and ask about your educational background. I see that you went through uh, well traditional education and I was just wondering how you felt that prepared you for a career in product or do you think it left a lot of gaps that you needed to fill yourself after graduating? Yeah, uh, I, I definitely a lot of gaps. I think also then when I started the, or like product management was I, I think still is a lot under development mm-hmm. and, and like the, the practices. Uh, but if if you look at now versus like ten years ago, I think there's a huge difference in just material available. And I would say that the the big uh, or my journey then on sort of product management was a lot just like experiencing myself, talking to a lot of agile coaches, and also you know like Spotify sort of was a trailblazer in in a lot of these these areas, but. I didn't necessarily always feel at home working with enterprise products because sort of the, you know, like break it and fix it fast doesn't really work with financial numbers. Mm -hmm. So, and testing in production and things like that. Uh, So I, I had to sort of take some of the things that I got coached by other agile coaches that came from other parts of the, the business and then sort of make up some things myself but uh, if i look sort of at my educational background uh, i think that i i have the just having programmed at one point in time has helped me because it it sort of removes the magic of what is code and what is uh, what can you do with technology and 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 what is development really and if i look at the marketing piece then it's it's uh, i think it has helped me understanding what is important in business and uh, and i mean our customers here uh, are uh, definitely uh, i mean they most of them since i work with on the revenue side of, of financials they their mission is to sell so i need to understand their needs and their customers as well uh, uh, so I think that that maybe has helped me as well. But for sure, I I, I think formal training in product management has come a far way. So I think it's it's a really good thing then to 
yeah. to do as well. Yeah. Sure. I mean, regardless, you've uh, you've been able to climb the ranks in the product management world, especially at Spotify. Um, and I was curious, what are some of the the challenges with uh, going into more senior positions? What what kind of changes the most once you start, you know, kind of going vertically? Yeah, I, I think that I have a little bit of special role at Spotify because I lead both engineering and, and product, which is not super common at, at Spotify. Uh, I think that, and, and then you also have different paths to take at Spotify. You can be become more of a people manager or you can become a specialist. I've taken more of the people manager route. For me, it's really then about finding uh, the dynamics. I'm, I'm trying to sort of paint a, a long-term picture of where I want to go and then finding the, the right mix of people that can help sure. me get along. Go there. I, I uh, definitely like my, my the the people I have in my team are better than me in in like specifically like everything in their specialists and and their roles. So my I see my role is is really just about how can I enable these guys to do uh, uh, or guys and girls to do the maximum impact that they they can uh, they can do. And then I'm also. Like since I've been doing this for a while now, I've hit a few roadblocks. So I'm hoping that maybe, yeah, I can add some guidance in, in some areas that, okay, we need to do this here and we need to do, and, and especially working with financials also, it's a lot about creating trust and it's an industry that is in, under immense change. So uh, it's important to be empathetic about that, uh, that people that, that we work closely with are, uh, are in the in, in industry with a lot of change. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think like uh, specifically what has happened is that, I mean, I, I don't uh, do the, the sort of backlog grooming work. I don't do the, the standups uh, really any longer. Uh, and it's more about then I try to help out more with setting long-term targets and finding what are the metrics that we that we should be aiming for and, and that's tricky especially like there are so many the potentially that we could aim for because you have the risk factor the automation factor the uh, the cost efficiency factor and, and uh, there, there are a lot of different metrics in, in, in a lot of different processes so I'm, I'm trying to add value uh, there as well then on uh, trying to find uh, or maybe help guide on what we should focus on and what we should not focus on. Sure, you're kind of uh, you know, shepherding the other uh, team players into the, like, the best position possible and that totally makes sense. You kind of have to start caring about others while you start going up. And speaking of an yeah. industry of change, uh, you're currently in Sweden. What's the product culture like there versus maybe product cultures you've seen in uh, other parts of the world? Is there something that separates uh, product culture where you are versus uh, where other people are? Uh, so, I mean, I have most experience near them from Sweden and, and then from New York. Uh, I work in then an, an area where traditionally there's not a ton of people coming from product to product background so there's a lot of people coming maybe more from domain expertise and then turning into product uh, looking at 
cultural differences. I don't think that maybe that would be the way that I would explain uh, or the, that the cultural difference would be the biggest one. But I, I do think there is a difference then in, in approaches on, on personalities. I think that there are so many different personas um, in, in product and you can add value in so many different ways. Uh, in in product, but I, I I can't say that I've seen any huge differences between New York and Stockholm. I see I see definitely same sort of personas in in Stockholm and same sort of personas in in New York. Sure. So speaking of different uh, product personas, we know a lot of people in our community who are uh, well lovers of Spotify, and they particularly want to work at somewhere like Spotify or even Spotify yeah. itself. Um, so yeah. what would you say are the main qualities that you look for when ad- adding people to your product team? And I guess the yeah. second part of my question is like, what sort of skills does someone need in order to manage um, like such a huge, uh, well, the, the size of the products, or the, I should say the scale of the products that you do yeah. at Spotify? Yeah, so I, I would say that it really helps to have domain knowledge. So if you have some sort of audit background, some sort of background maybe in the big four, uh, working down in, in, in the area where I am at, uh, so financial engineering, uh, that, that definitely helps uh, because then you have the understanding of, of SOX compliance and you understand accounting so you can, you can translate the needs uh, from the business a lot quicker. Uh, so that's one piece, but I would also say that uh, if you only have that, that can be tricky. So it's uh, system knowledge, and that also really depends on the areas because we have some domains where we have basically only SaaS solutions, uh, which is very different than domain sin- uh, than, for instance, where where I work mostly right now. Than on uh, in-house built systems with data pipelines and, and Google technology and and things like that. I think so. so the tech aspect is also then very important uh, to, so that you can understand technology on a level, at least conceptually. Have, if you have programmed, I think that's as helpful. And I would say then the third aspect to have that um, product, just a craft uh, of, of just understanding on how to build a roadmap, how to create the a visionary story um, and getting people riled up and, and engaged, I think is also important. And I mean, that's a unicorn basically to say that, okay, you have a product background, you are, you have a, you're an auditor and you sort of know technology really deeply. Uh, so I, I think what we're, what I'm trying to do is find a mixture of people. Uh, the way I see this very much is that I, I think that the team is bigger than the one, of course, the, the product manager is will will be working separately quite a lot, but having that support system in each other that then you maybe have someone who is more skilled in, in accounting and someone else who's then more skilled in the product craft and someone else then maybe more skilled in technology and, and you, you get that sort of dynamic where they help each other. That's at least where I think I can see the most strength. Sure. And so on the contrary to that, let's say someone does get an interview at Spotify and you're in the interview with them. What are some red flags that 
uh, a potential candidate should avoid? Is there anything that really sticks out there? Yeah, I, I think it's very important to be analytical. Like the the, uh, I will look for definitely for if there are hollow answers, regardless of what it what it's what's going on. That's definitely a red flag for me. It's like the it, it's very important for me that we we are sort of truth tellers in the way that like we are metrics based, and if, if things are not working, that's then we need to be. Uh, analytical about it and say that it, this is why it's not working and this is our plan to fix it or whatever it, it may be so that anything that if, if you don't have experience of something then it's just better to say that yeah. uh, if, if you have people covering and sort of trying to make something up that's usually uh, very transparent yeah. and then it's just better to that now I don't I don't know that stuff but I'm good at this or that that's that's definitely a brilliant flag for me yeah one of the pieces of advice that uh we've heard on a previous episode of this podcast um i wish i could remember who said it um they they said that um it's really important to treat your interviewer as someone who's just trying to fill a job they're not like a roadblock to the job that you want so you, it's not like they're not trying to quiz you they're not trying to test you they just want your honest answers and i think yeah. that ties in very nicely like just be open and like help them help you to get the job in a way yeah exactly and and i think also like maybe in, in another addition to the sort of product work that that i mean is also that there needs to be a little bit of a consultancy mindset mm. that we are here to make other people successful right we we want to alleviate the business from the the sort of complexities of accounting and we want to help accounting get automated and accurate and reliable and timely data uh, and we need to have understanding of of both worlds and, and usually we can add value then in tra- being like the translator between these two worlds and that also requires sort of a you need to be firm on the targets, but you definitely need to have a way of being a bit of a diplomat and sort of uh, to be able to be a people people person for sure. Yeah, excellent, excellent advice. Um, so in your Reddit AMA with us, you answered a question about the necessity of being 100% passionate about your project, uh, your product, sorry. Um, so clearly it's very difficult to be passionate 100% of the time. Like you can't be like, fully in every moment of the day because you know there are challenges and there are there are good days and bad days so what's your advice for someone who's maybe feeling a little bit lost like they're just stuck in endless meetings and they're feeling a bit you know a little bit down and out about everything how do you get re-engaged with what you're doing yeah i i would say that this is a very sort of personal thing for me it's it's hard to say what will work for other people but what has worked for me is that if i truly believe in the impact that we're trying to do i think that is absolutely key if you don't really care about where you're heading then i think you should then it won't work Mm -hmm. basically because there's yeah there's there's going to be ups and downs and there's going to be meetings and there's going to be people that you need to convince and people that you feel that you don't want to talk to and they're all of this but if you don't believe in the end goal then you're, you're just not gonna have the stamina i think if you mm-hmm. but if you truly believe in the end goal then i think my two cents here is that it's very important to be flexible on on sort of how to get there like it really doesn't matter the tool set 
but the target needs to be firm and sort of this is where we're heading and this is where we're heading and then constantly ask yourself like am i shipping away towards that target and then maybe yeah some days you do it more and some days you do it less but at least then you have that direction but if you don't feel like that this is your thing or you don't really care about that then i would have a hard time sort of finding the stamina and the energy to do that and then i would uh, i would just do something else i think yeah kind of burnout is totally a thing and if you're not passionate i think it's much easier to burn out quicker um yeah speaking of burnout and things on that side there was another uh, point that was brought up in the ama about failure and is there any um project or product that you worked on that maybe didn't go according to plan but in the end provided you a valuable lesson yeah for sure uh uh, yeah, I, I had a period a few years ago that was really rough with the project that didn't go as planned. Uh, and I was, I was resigned to another team. And uh, yeah, it was it was a rough patch, but it, it has really helped me, I think, uh, act on, on a few signals that I had back then, but I maybe didn't really act upon. But I felt like, okay, yeah, I, this just one more week and we will get there or this i think this will in the end will, will fix itself I, I i really went through sort of uh, i think a journey of learning that if it doesn't work it's it's much better than to just sort of do a hard stop and just tell everyone the the hard facts about where everything is yeah. um, and and then take the take take whatever needs to be taken there um, and then, uh, I mean, I think it was also a lot about mileage. Uh, I, I worked Spotify back then as well, and, and we changed a lot as company uh, um, during these years, and we have matured as a company. So the infrastructure is, is very different, I would say, uh, now uh, from back then. But I would say that, yeah, that's, uh, that's probably the big thing, that now if I get that gut feeling again, then I, I clear my schedule and that's sort of the focus. And, sure. yeah. Well, I think this has been really, really interesting. I know we've really enjoyed this conversation. I also know that you're a very busy man and mm -hmm. we're gonna let you get back to uh, your tight schedule. But we just wanted to wrap up with one last question. Uh, what's the greatest lesson product management has ever taught you? Wow. Yeah. Okay. I would say probably uh, maybe this is cliche, but the power of outcome really is is the 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 big thing. Like the it it can I've seen it freeing up creativity and and minds and just change directions completely. On like uh, it's it's so easy. I think it's just human nature to get stuck on sort of that you, you sort of dealt personally maybe with the outcome and then you're stuck on sort of the methodology or the tools of how to get there and that's what you communicate like uh, but backtracking then on, on sort of the outcome can can help immensely and it can cut away like months on a project or just getting to the result immediately so I think that's that's probably the the first that comes to mind at least what did you think about today's episode let us know head over to productschool.com or our Slack channel to join in the conversation. Catch us next week when we speak to another top mind in product.